Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and today I have Mike Ricksecker with me today. Mike Ricksecker is the author of the best-selling A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, and the historic paranormal books, Ghosts of Maryland, Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma, Campfire Tales, Midwest Ghost Story and Case Files, and the Encounters with the Paranormal series. He has appeared on multiple television shows and programs as a paranormal historian, including Travel Channels, The Alaska Triangle, Discovery Plus's Fright Club, Animal Planets, The Haunted, Bio Channels, My Ghost Story, and Ren TVs in Russia, Mysteries of Mankind. Produces his own internet supernatural-based shows on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel, and is a producer and director of the docu-series, The Shadow Dimension, available on several streaming platforms. On Tuesday nights, he hosts the Edge of the Rabbit Hole live stream show and also produces the Beyond the Shadows podcast. Haunted Road Media is also his own paranormal and supernatural book publishing and video production company, representing a number of paranormal writers, winning the award for excellent media in the paranormal field at the 2019 Shockfest Film Festival. Mike's historic paranormal articles have been published in the Baltimore Sun, Paranormal Underground Magazine, and he previously wrote an Oklahoma City paranormal column for The Examiner, 2010 through 2014. His work has also been featured in The Oklahoman, the Frederick News Post, Marshall University's The Parthenon, and Louisiana State University's Civil War Book Review. He now hosts many of these articles along with informational videos and learning courses on the Connected Universe Portal website. A native of Cleveland, Ohio, Mike is a father of four and is an avid baseball fan. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Liz. I absolutely appreciate it. This is going to be so much fun. I found you through Mark Anthony getting an uh-huh. email from him. I interviewed him last month. He's super fun, but you were on the Dr. Pat and Mark Anthony show, the psychic right. and the doc. That was a great conversation. Really sparked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Mark's a great guy. Yeah, really we, we go back a little ways. Yeah. He's fun. And we have something in common. So I too was woken up around fifth grade by a shadow figure beside my bed that raised its fists and hit me in the stomach around that time. So I want to jump right into your experience and all about shadow people. So why don't you share with us your childhood experiences and what led you to today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my first significant paranormal experience, and I think I had a couple other smaller ones beforehand, but I was, I was really young at the time. My first significant one was with a shadow person when I was about eight years old. I woke up in the middle of the night and this tall, dark figure was standing in the corner of my bedroom. But of course, at that time, I had no idea about shadow people, shadow beings or whatever that you called it that. Um, You know, I thought that there was an intruder in the house and it was about to kill me because, you know, that's what you think at about that age. Uh, Fortunately, I'm still alive to tell the tale, Uh, but it did approach my bed and I'm trying to scream. Nothing's coming out of my mouth because I'm just too frightened. And I leaned over my bed. I'm staring up into this just blank face. You know, it's all dark. There's no eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. Just 
you know, complete blackness. Mm -hmm. And then it took me by the wrists, crossed my arms across my body. So it did get physical with me. And then it ran off down the hall and of all places into a closet. By that time, I found my voice, found my legs, ran off screaming to my parents' bedroom. Uh, you know, they tried to console me, tried to tell me that I had just had a bad dream, but I had been awake for this entire event. Yeah. Similar answer from my parents. So shadow people. So you had this experience, do, and as you became an adult and you started to question it, what were some of the things that you came up with as ex explanations? Yeah, you know, a lot of different things because I, I got into, uh, you know, doing paranormal investigations um, after a while. I had another incident uh, when I was 13 years old with, with another uh, shadow person, but, uh, you know, very, very different where, uh, you know, we had moved into this new house. We'd moved from the home in Massachusetts to uh, the house in Ohio. And I kept, you know, I'm just putting things away in my bedroom, you know, unpacking boxes, you know, putting things away. And I kept seeing this figure in, in my doorway and I turned and look and, you know, he'd take off. And it was, again, dark in nature, but it was a little bit more translucent than the first kind that I had experienced. Uh, this never came into the room, never got physical, but it happened over and over and over again as I was unpacking boxes and putting things away. And so I ended up asking my mother about it a, a few days later. Now I'm 13 at the time, a little bit older. And apparently she thought I was a little bit more mature. And she said that she had seen this thing too, uh, but she didn't seem very alarmed about it. So I was like, okay, on one hand, um, it's great that I got the affirmation that she had seen it. I'm not crazy. Uh, and because she didn't seem alarmed about it, I didn't get alarmed about it either. And I started getting playful with the things and started calling him Tom. So he liked peeping Tom because he'd peep into my bedroom. So anytime I'd see him, I'd say, hey, Tommy, take off. So, um, you know, very, very different than that first physical scary experience when I was eight. So as I got older and I, you know, started investigating the, the paranormal, um, you know, I started questioning, okay, why was it that I had these two different, you know, very different experience experiences with these things. Um, you know, a lot of people that I'd been talking to uh, also had a varying amount of different experiences. I started seeing these things on paranormal investigations as well. Um, and the settings again, were very, very different. So, um, you know, it led me down the road of, okay, these, these shadow entities, these shadow beings, these shadow people are not all just one singular thing. They are a variety of different things. Hmm. Interesting. Can you unwrap that a little bit more? Because when you hear shadow people and you're watching TV, you know, travel channel and history channel and all these different shows, they're saying that um, they're malevolent, that they're bad or evil or not good. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, again, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's television. So the scarier, the better. Uh, but I have, you know, I have been on several uh, television shows and we did have one, you know, way back in the day, 10 years ago on The Haunted, where that was a red eyed shadow entity that was certainly uh, malevolent and uh, nefarious and, uh, you know, was doing harm to uh, to the girl. She was an adult daughter of the house. Um, so, yes, there are ones that are you know evil, nasty and nefarious, but. Not all of them are. There are there again. There are a variety of different types of shadow entities, and it's going to sound very simplistic. But the way I break it down is, you know, some humans are good, some humans are bad. Some shadow entities are good, some shadow entities are bad. It just depends on what exactly they are, what their agenda is. Some of these are just human spirits that can't fully manifest as an apparition. They come off as a shadow, and so I'm not going to sit there and say somebody's Aunt Jane is evil. 
Um, but then you do get some of the nasty ones as well. Some of them are also, um, you know, ETs, uh, extraterrestrials, and you know, and those you know have a variety of different uh, agendas as well. So um, it just depends on you know, you know, who this particular person or shadow entity is. Have you ever gotten any of them to communicate with you? Um, you know, that's a, it's a question I get a lot, you know, do they communicate? Do they have voices? Um, you know, just the physicality of them, they, you know, they don't have a mouth, you know, they don't have vocal cords, you know, they're, they're a shadow, but they tend to, uh, communicate with people through, uh, telepathy. Um, now I haven't, I would sit, I would love to sit there and have a, you know, one-on-one conversation with a, with a shadow entity and just ask, okay, who exactly, you know, are you? And on paranormal investigations, when we've seen shadows, you know, sometimes we get those, you know, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, where we do get, uh, responses. And, you know, even with that, that red-eyed entity that was evil and nefarious, we were trying to deduce, okay, what exactly is this thing? Is this one of the questions with that particular case was, you know, are we interacting with the former homeowner's uh, father who had uh, committed suicide in that house? And so as we were asking those questions, we did get some responses back, presumably from the, uh, the shadow entity and stating that, no, he was not this guy. He was something else. Interesting. So what's the difference or similarities between a shadow person and a ghost? That's a good question. Um, you know, there are some, there are some similarities. Cause like I said before, uh, you know, some of these, you know, shadow entities that, that we experience, that we witness are just, you know, human spirits that can't fully manifest. And, you know, the, with ghosts, you know, we're talking about, you know, an, an apparition that, you know, is a human spirit that we're able to, you know, see fully formed with our eyes. Um, but even with that, some of them uh, may be what we would call, um, a residual haunt. So it's just a playback of, you know, some sort of event that's happened and we see an apparition of that. So it's, it's, when we, when we go down this rabbit hole, um, you know, it takes an amount of investigative work to deduce, okay, what exactly are we experiencing? Or is this an intelligent haunt? Is this something residual and intelligent is something that you know, like a human spirit is, uh, they're actually, you know, interacting with you where residual, again, it's just like a playback of something. And with a, uh, with a shadow entity, if it is a human spirit, um, you know, very similar to what we would call an intelligent haunt, it just looks a little bit different. And I've actually, um, you know, had on occasion in which actually saw a, uh, it was an apparition of a little girl that actually morphed out of rolling black smoke. So this, uh, this particular spirit had started off as a shadow and as it came closer to us, it was coming down the, uh, the hallway of an old hotel. It actually turned into the apparition of a little girl and stopped right by this doorway to a room in which many people had reported, you know, seeing a, a, a spirit of a little girl in. So sometimes they can be one in the same, hmm. um, you know, just a different form. And then other times, you know, if we're talking like an interdimensional being that's a shadow or an extraterrestrial or even something that's demonic, then we're starting to uh, talk about something that's a little bit different that may take on the shadowy form of a bipedal form that, you know, may have arms, legs, you know, some of these things wear hats and cloaks and all that. Um, so it kind of takes on the look of a human, but still is not human. Hmm. Interesting. I want to go to that residual haunt because my house in Paulsbo 
over 10 years ago, I was living in Paulsville and we had a ghost. I named him Bob, right? My little one, <laughs> one of my little ones could see him. It was like, mommy, who's that guy in the hallway? And, but I could just feel his presence. Right. And then when I was a little girl waking up in the middle of the night, when my sister and I shared a room, there was a full blown apparition of a woman, all white looking out the window and actually like communicated with me, turned her head and was like, Shh, you know, went back and looking out the window. Right. <laughs> so how have you, um, figured out how to separate, like what is residual energy? What is a loop and what is the full-blown apparition or spirit? You know, when do you know you're dealing with spirit? Yeah. Well, if it's, if it's uh, turning and looking at you and saying Shh, like that, you know, and having a uh, actual intelligent interaction with you, then it's definitely not residual. Uh, that would be <laughs> a residual haunt, but you hear these stories of like, like at old forts and things like that, where there's a soldier that walks by the same time every night, every, you know, every month, or, um, you know, the lady in white who always appears at the top of the stairs at, you know, the exact same time, you know, that those, mm. those are residual haunts, you know, those are on some sort of playback. We don't exactly know uh, what kicks them off, but when people start reporting the same exact thing happening over and over and over again, then that's what we would, we would deem residual. Interesting. Okay. And then I'm going to wind it back a little bit further because you said ET and mm -hmm. shadow person. So let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities between uh, extraterrestrial experiences and uh, experiences that people have with, with shadow entities. Uh, a lot of these reports, uh, you know, people are waking up in the middle of the night, they see some sort of form in their room. Some people will say, uh, you know, a shadow entity. Some people will say extraterrestrial. Uh, in a lot of these cases, not all, but a lot of these cases, people are experiencing sleep paralysis, whether it's ET or shadow, there may be some sort of physical interaction again, but you know, same thing between each. So we see a lot of similarities between these two different types of phenomena. And in some cases, um, you know, they almost appear to be the exact same thing. A uh, great story that I like to tell in uh, this regard is with Albert K. Bender. Now uh, he was an individual back in the day, uh, 1950s, in which he founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau during the, the big UFO flap of 1952. And this organization you know, blew up immediately. Uh, it went international right away, uh, overseas in the UK and Australia. And remember, this is back in the day when, you know, they didn't have social media and the internet. They had to, you know, with snail mail, writing letters and, um, you know, in you had the telephone, but you know, that was back when you had those massive long distance charges. So you weren't just, you know, readily calling the UK all the time. So for him to be able to blow this thing up internationally within a year was, was phenomenal. You know, they had you know, all kinds of meetings and newsletters and, and all these things going on. And then all of a sudden a year later in 1953, he just shut it down just like that. And nobody understood why. Uh, there was a uh, author and publisher at the time, Gray Barker, who tried to get the story out of him. Only got some scant little details um, as to why he shut this down. And it wasn't until the 1960s that, through Gray Barker, Albert Bender published a book called "Flying Saucers and the Three Men," revealing why uh, he had shut down the International Flying Saucer Bureau and why he had, you know, kept silent on it for so long. And what had happened to him is. He was visited in the night by three shadowy entities 
wearing hats with glowing eyes that materialized into his room and told him he needed to stop his research on flying saucers. Now, I listen to this story and I immediately think these are shadow beings. You know, these are the hat wearing shadow entities, the hat man uh, that everybody talks about. Albert Bender thought that these were uh, extraterrestrials that were telling him to stop uh, you know, doing uh, his research on them. He, they told him uh, that they were there for 15 years and that he could talk about it after they were gone. He believed that they were harvesting resources from the water in Antarctica. Other people, like conspiracy theorists, would take a look at that story and say, well, these are the men in black. So it's interesting to me how, you know, through each different lens, paranormal, ET, conspiracy theorists, we have a different view of what these entities actually are. Gosh, I could totally see, you know, conspiracy theorists going with astral projection, you know, government intervention, projecting, you know, remote viewing into a room or something right. like that for control. Totally. Gosh, interesting. Any other information you have about um, extraterrestrials on any of your paranormal investigations? Uh, you know, it's sometimes these things go hand in hand. So sometimes these locations that we investigate that are haunted also see significant UFO activity. Uh, you know, one particular location, the uh, house known as the, the Conjuring House, the, the house in Rhode Island that the movie The Conjuring was based off of, you know, extremely haunted house. Um, you know, from my experiences there and the research that I've done there, uh, and I feature this in my docuseries, The Shadow Dimension, uh, you know, there is significant uh, uh, vortex and portal activity that's going on there. They basically have this, this room down in the, the basement. They call it the well room. It's an open well with water. The walls are made of limestone. They're capped with granite blocks. So it's like this perfect little power plant down there creating all this energy. So they have all these you know, hauntings. They have time slips there. And they also have a lot of UFO sightings out there as well. So it may be drawn to that energy that's there. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about these energetic portals and sites around our country or the world that you've investigated? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're all over the world. You know, people will... The, the common term is ley lines. And uh, you know, what, basically what the ley is, is all those geographic spots around the globe that line up in a line. And you know, that creates the ley. But basically the, the reason why they're all lined up is because the ancients knew to build their, their temples or you know, in, in modern times, they started building churches and cathedrals on top of the old temples uh, because they knew that these were sites that had that, that earth energy to provide healing. They could enter altered states of consciousness. Uh, they could open up portals. People talk about stargates. So, you know, we're talking like, uh, you know, some of these locations like, you know, like Stonehenge and those, those old, uh, you know, ancient sites of power like that, or, you know, the pyramids. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I was actually inside uh, the Great Pyramid at Giza, and you feel that energy within there, which is phenomenal. Uh, when I was on the, the show, The Alaska Triangle, that was a, a, a big uh, feature of that show that, that we talked about was the energy up there in Alaska that's, that's powering the kind of quote unquote triangle and creating all of this activity, like, you know, the missing airplanes that may be disappearing into portals, the uh, paranormal activity that's up there, the, the UFO sightings, all these, you know, different strange creatures that are seen up there, um, you know, the, the missing ships and airplanes, uh, you know, that it's, it's that energy that's, you know, spawning off all of this activity. Wow. That's exciting. Do you want to share a little snippet about your visit to 
the pyramid of Giza. <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> phenomenal. Exciting. Yeah. I spent, Oh, I spent, I spent two weeks in Egypt and absolutely love it. It's, it's, it's surreal being back. Cause it's, you know, I'm thinking back and I'm seeing the photos and it's like, was I really there? <laughs> um, you know, but, but I was, you know, we had special access on the summer solstice from 5 AM to 7 AM. Um, the, the tour that we were, uh, that we were on was called return of the Kepler cycle. So basically we were, we were honoring the start of the new, uh, the new sun cycles, which starts with uh, the Kepper, basically the the representation of the, uh, the you know the dung beetle. That's, that's what they called awesome. it. Was a Kepper, and uh, you know we were there, exclusive access for two hours, just our little group inside the Great Pyramid, while we were getting fed that uh, that energy from the new cycle, and um, you know we got access down to the subterranean chamber. Um, you know, spent a lot of time in the King's Chamber, um, and just you know we were. We're, it's kind of funny um, because there was an archaeologist that was there, the guy that basically let us in. And, you know, there are certain things that he didn't, you know, want us doing. And then he'd kind of like turn his back and walk into a different room. We'd go ahead and do that stuff. So we were, <laughs> you know, doing some different, you know, resonance tests. And, you know, the, the pyramid is tuned to the key of F sharp, as is the earth. And so um, as we were doing some, you know, different meditations and things like that, and, you know, basically humming to the key of, uh, of F sharp, you could feel that energy coursing through you. It was absolutely amazing. God, I bet that would be heaven for me. What a fantastic experience. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, it really was fantastic. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. We're going to wheel it back to unfortunately shadow <laughs> people again. So, um, in my business, I'm an advanced intuitive healer, right? So I see attachments occasionally on people. So do you see any similarity or anything when it comes to like the difference between a shadow person and an attachment? Yeah. I mean, I'll get asked if, um, if, you know, shadow entities will attach themselves to people. And it's really kind of a mixed bag because I've, I've heard stories and accounts of, of shadows following somebody from one location to another. Uh, but then I've heard the, the opposite as well, where, where they didn't. Um, case in point, there was a, uh, a, a family that uh, they had three girls and they all you know, slept in the same bedroom. And not every night, but many nights, there'd be a you know, hat-wearing shadow entity that would you know, come into the room at night and stand at the foot of this, the bed of the one girl. And it would just stand there and stare at her. It wouldn't actually do anything. The other two girls would be looking on, you know, watching this happening uh, many, many times. Well, they moved from that house and never saw that hat-wearing shadow entity again. So, you know, it, it does make you wonder, you know, perhaps, you know, that, uh, that shadow entity was attached to the house, didn't actually have an attachment to, you know, the, uh, the girl. Maybe it was just curious as to, okay, who's the girl sleeping in the bed? Um, so if not, you know, the, uh, the person, is it the location? And that's where investigative work comes into play. Interesting. Did yours move houses with you or did you ever dream about it or anything like that? Um, the first one that was just, it was just a one-off. It was just the one experience, um, where it, it came into my room, physically interacted with me and was gone. I never saw that particular one again. Uh, the second one, when I moved into that house, was putting things away and saw it in the doorway. That one hung around for about three or four months and then the activity subsided. So I kind of chalked that up to something that was there, was curious about the new family that was moving in, deemed we were okay, and then moved on. So 
if there was an attachment there, I would, I would think it was more to the house and not us. Interesting. On your um, investigations, had you ever had anybody have that happen to them? Follow lo- locations or dream about it or anything like that? Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the the monster in the closet case, the, uh, the that was on the haunted, um, that was in Edmond, Oklahoma. This red eye shadow entity I mentioned earlier. Uh, that one was, I mean, it was terrorizing her. It was terrorizing the cat. Other people in the family saw it. Um, you know, yeah, she would see it in her dreams. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, be standing in her closet. Uh, with the red eyes, which is why they called it Monster in the Closet that particular episode. So, uh, but that one was again more nefarious in nature. That that one was actually uh, we we brought in uh, a demonologist, Carl Johnson, on that case, um, and he actually did deem that one demonic. It's the only demonic case that I've worked on, and that's that's something I get asked you know, a lot. You know, are these things demonic? And it's like, well, you know, of all the years that I've been doing this, that's the one case. And Carl's a good friend of mine, um, and you know, just talking with him. We, we've you know, we've been in touch with the family. Nothing's happened um, you know, since that time. We cleansed the house, oh, and just talking with him, it's like, okay, Carl, you've been doing this for for fifty years, um, and you get called out onto a lot of cases all the time. When was your last actual demonic case? You know, case that you deemed demonic, and he said, you know, Mike, it was that one ten years ago uh, that we did together for the haunted. So, you know, an actual demonic case is few and far between. But that doesn't mean that some of these things are, you know, nasty and nefarious. You can have a, a, a nasty human spirit, you know, kind of one of those, they were a jerk in life, they're a jerk in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, they can, you know, they can get into your head, they can get into your dreams, um, they can follow you around if they so choose. These things have free will, just like we do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kind of good news, though, that he had only had one, you know, 10 years prior. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, yeah, he's a demonologist. He gets called out on cases all the time and, you know, over and over and over again. He'll, he'll just say, okay, you know, this one, this one's a residual haunt. This one's, a, you know, just a human spirit. You know, th- okay, this one's nasty. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just human. So he's, he has 50 years of experience on this and yeah, only, only a handful that are actually demonic. Wow. In your book, you also talk about interdimensional entities. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and that's what I think like a kind of quote-unquote true shadow person is. It's something that's you know, crossed from another plane of existence into ours. And I have a, a great little story that I like to, to tell with this. Sure. Um, I was doing an investigation at a restaurant called Johnny V's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. This was some years ago. And we had really just you know, finished up. Um, a couple of guys were up in the bar area and a couple of others were out in the front uh, dining room area. And I decided to do a last photo sweep of the restaurant before we left. And so I'm walking through the main door of the kitchen. And all of a sudden, as I walk in, I just see this, this quick shadow dart across the room. It was just what I would call a, a wisp. Uh, it was very translucent, very fast. It was kind of tall and narrow. Uh, you could hardly tell a, a form, but there it was. And it darted across the room and you heard this boom, this slam of it into the door that was on the sidewall. And this was just like a flimsy little metal door that waiters and waitresses would use to carry large trays of food through. You could like tap it with your finger and the thing would open, except the door didn't open, even though you heard the slam of the thing. Wow. So I called out to the others. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I called out to the others. Hey, did you guys hear that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we heard that. So I described to them what happened. And they thought it was fascinating. But all of a sudden, I'm thinking, wait a second. 
are these guys messing with me? <laughs> you know, did they throw something at the door? And I, and I asked them, did you guys throw something at the door? And they're like, no, we didn't throw anything at the door. I actually walked out the door. I'm looking around on the ground. There's nothing there. And even if they had thrown something at the door, it would have moved. It was just like this flimsy little door. And so, you know, the big question for me was, okay, what in the world did I just witness? What did I see? And, you know, after research and further investigation, this is what I came up with is that, you know, when I entered that room, when I walked through that main door, that perhaps this thing that was on another plane of existence, it was, it was coming here interdimensionally somehow that perhaps it saw me as a shadow, perhaps it saw me as a ghost. I have no idea, but I scared it because that thing took off. And perhaps on its plane of existence and its dimension, it blew right through that door. That door opened wide and it ran off into the dining room area. But I didn't see it because I'm on a different plane of existence. However, because sound works on a different frequency, I was able to hear that from one dimension to another. And we've used that, that idea of sound traveling interdimensionally uh, because it's on a different uh, frequency when we were uh, doing the Alaska Triangle and talking about some of these different uh, portals and disappearances that, you know, we could still hear sounds coming back through those portals. So um, that, that's, that's kind of like a big, as a big section of, uh, of my book and a, a big point that I like to make there about uh, these interdimensional shadow entities. Wow. That's so fascinating. Do you have a couple more short stories you can share with us? Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I have quite a few stories. I bet. Um, yeah, I mean, one that uh, you know, people kind of tend to, I guess, enjoy uh, because they'll ask me, uh, "Has any does any of this stuff scare you? You know, what, like what's a scary investigation that you've been on?" And you know, it's when I'm on a paranormal investigation, I don't really get scared. I'm in that mode of I'm, I'm curious, I'm researching, I want to know what's going on. If there's something. Uh, happening. I'm actually, you know, going toward it. I'm not running from it. Uh, you see a lot of these like television shows where something spooks them and they go running off or whatever. Um, I'm the opposite. I'm running toward it. Uh, but all that said, uh, there was this one uh, particular incident that happened. Uh, I was not on a paranormal investigation, but something paranormal was happening. And this happened down in Salisbury, Maryland. And I was down there for something personal. It was basically, uh, you know, talking to a friend of mine off of a ledge and she had driven down to her old childhood home, which was now abandoned and had parked her SUV back behind this place. And I drove down there, parked in the driveway. It was very dark down there. Um, really no street lights. Um, and the backyard was even darker because the, there were these woods that were back behind the house. And so I walked from my heart, my car and uh, got into her SUV and kind of, you know, sitting there talking for a while. But then all of a sudden, I started noticing through the side mirror these short little shadow entities that were kind of creeping up toward the trees uh, in the woods behind us. And there were kind of more of them and more of them starting to gather. And she was involved a bit in the paranormal, too. And she you know, noticed that I was noticing something and said, you, you've seen something, haven't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see something. I told her what was, what was going on. And, um, you know, we kept talking for a little bit, but then one of these shadow entities, uh, I saw through the side mirror again, kind of approached the back of her SUV. 
And so this was the moment that I was like, you know, I think it's time to go. You know, it was, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, I don't want to say as, you know, I was scared or anything like that, but I was not prepared for this situation at, at all. It was, mm-hmm. you know, there for something very personal, this stuff starts happening and it was, yeah, it was dark and pretty creepy back there. And it was just like, you know, it's, we need to go. And she agreed. Okay, let's go ahead and go. So I get out of her SUV. I'm looking around. I still see the, the, uh, shadow entities, uh, around the trees, but I, I did not see the one that had approached, uh, her car. So I started walking back to my car in the driveway and, you know, keep kind of peering back, see if any of these things are following me. And, you know, they're around the, the tree trunks, but I look up in the tree top and I saw this really bizarre white silky thing kind of moving through the treetops. And I, the only way to describe it was, it was like a living spider web because it was just kind of slinking through the trees like that. And so got in the car and we took off and we met up somewhere else. So that one, that one was pretty bizarre. Wow, that is bizarre. And one of my old haunts. So Salisbury, Maryland, I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with. I grew up in Cambridge, Maryland, Dorchester County. It's kind of fun to hear you tell a story about um, Maryland. <laughs> That's fun. And that is creepy. A bunch of little shadow people around a tree and then yep. a wispy thing. Yeah, no fun. I think I would have chosen to leave as well, not knowing what was going on or not being prepared. You also um, wrote a book about Maryland, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. And um, all of my friends in Maryland will totally remember like Big Liz pulling Mm -hmm. up on um, the DeCourcy Bridge and flashing the lights three times and honking the horn three times to try to get Big Liz to come to the car or track, you know, when you're a teenager. Do you have any other fun stories from your book that you can share about Maryland? From, from Maryland, your, yeah, um, from your ghosts of Maryland. Yeah, I mean, I had, yeah, ghosts of Maryland. That was my, uh, my, that was actually my first paranormal book. Uh, I was living in Frederick, Maryland at the time, and it was a book that kind of fell into my lap. Um, I was actually writing detective fiction at the time, but I had written some paranormal short stories, and um, it always had an interest in the paranormal. And my uh, editor from that book approached me and said, "You know, I know you write fiction, but you're in Maryland, and we're looking to expand our line of paranormal books. Would you be interested?" I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> of course." Cool. Um, but probably the the most interesting thing that happened to me uh, while I was researching that book, and there's, you know, Maryland, um, extremely haunted state, and yet there's so much history there that kind of plays into all of these hauntings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that was really interesting for, for me, because I had a personal experience with that, uh, was the Samuel Mudd house. And I've been there several times, but uh, you know, the first time that I went there was for you know, research on, on this book. And you know, did the whole tour, talked with the docents, took a lot of photos, got home, and then all of a sudden, all my photos were gone. Was wow. like, what in the world happened? Um, this was like a recurring theme down there because I'd have been there several times. It seems like I always ended up having some sort of technical issue going down there. So I ended up going back down there. And apparently I, I traveled back on a day that they were closed, not knowing that they were closed that day. So I uh, pulled up to the gate. Everything's locked up. And I was like, oh, okay, this is lousy because uh, it was a good hour and a half drive, I think, for me to get down there. And so I was like, oh, I'll take some photos here from the gate. I'm taking some photos. And um, all of a sudden, truck pulls up and it's one of the docents. And he, he tells me that, well, he's opening the place up for a private viewing, but he would allow me to, to go up there and take my photos. So I got very lucky. And so I'm, I'm following him through the house, taking photos and asking him questions about you know, things that he's experienced uh, within the house. And he's telling me some different stories. And one of those was the, 
the bedroom in which uh, John Wilkes Booth had slept in, that the, the bed there, many mornings they'll go up and there is an impression in the bed as if somebody had been sleeping there. And so he's telling me this story as we're heading upstairs and going to that room. And he goes into the bedroom, walks past the bed, starts opening up the shades. And I looked out the bed and I'm like, you mean an impression like this? Because there it is, the bed impression as if somebody had been sleeping there that he had just been talking about. And it was funny because he suddenly got very, very upset. And he's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. We have to fix this all the time, make it look good for the public. And he starts making a move for the bed. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I take a photo first? <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so I snap off a couple of photos and he fixes it up and you know makes it presentable and all that. So uh, I was very fortunate that I was able to actually experience this story that that they tell and actually get a photo because they always fix this thing up in the morning so it can look good for the public. So not too many people actually get that photo. Wow, that is amazing. God, so interesting. Did you ever venture, venture down the Eastern Shore into Cambridge or any other spots and have any fun stories from um, High Street or anything like that? One of the most haunted streets in Maryland. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get to Cambridge, unfortunately. Um, I spent some time in St. Michael's. Um, I used to work there. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. Of course, everybody goes out to Ocean City, but oh. um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of the stories that I cover, I mean, it's, it's all throughout the state, kind of scattered throughout. Um, I have a big section in there on, on Frederick, Maryland, because I was actually living there. It's a very historic town. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, Baltimore, Inner Harbor, all that stuff. So, um, so I, I got around a little bit, but um, unfortunately, I don't, I did not spend time in Cambridge. Bummer. <laughs> You'll have to go back and investigate. That's a crazy story. Yes, yes. <laughs> you also wrote one um, from Oklahoma, where you're from. Do you want to share a story or two from there? Yeah, um, I spent three years out in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of shared one there about uh, uh, Johnny V's and Muskogee, but mm-hmm. there's also a uh, uh, there's a church out there, old abandoned church called Black Bear Church, and this is what when I was on my ghost story, uh, the, the story that they featured there, they called it church of darkness. And it's a really interesting location. It's, it's way out in the middle of nowhere off of a couple of dirt roads. I mean, there's one time we went out there and there's a, you know, a herd of cows that's walking down the road and they're cutting in front of the cars. It was kind of crazy. So that's, that's how far out there it was. Um, and it was really kind of an interesting location because you had the, the church and then the cemetery that was right across from the dirt road. And we always found that, the church actually had a much more lighter energetic feel to it than the church. The church was a lot darker. And there are a lot of uh, interesting legends and local folklore about that particular church. Uh, One of those was uh, the story of this quote unquote crawler uh, shadow entity that was there at that church. And this thing was supposed to have been conjured up by uh, some people practicing the occult that after the church had, be, had become abandoned, it started being frequented, you know, by kids partying and then this whatever occult group that was out there. And so they were you know, conjured this thing up as well as all these little shadow minions that were, you know, supposed to follow this thing. And uh, the story was, is that, you know, the crawlers domain was the church and the shadow minions would, you know, come up to, uh, you know, the windows of the church and peer in, but never, you know, would actually go inside. So, but um, you hmm. know, we would hear the stories. 
but we hadn't experienced those things uh, while we were there until one particular night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and we did find, you know, we did find, I guess you could say some evidence of maybe ritualistic work going on there because there's this one room in, in the back of the church um, you have to, you have to, you know, keep in mind this place like had no roof. Everything was wide open. It was deteriorating heavily, but, uh, the one back room, there was this, uh, pedestal that was built out of brick and it had a cement slab on top. And, you know, we had found, you know, scorch marks on top of there and, you know, some, some burnt little bones or whatever that hey, maybe something was going on back there. Somebody could have just been, you know, heating up their Kentucky fried chicken or whatever. We don't know. Uh, Cause we weren't there to witnesses, but it's like, if they were doing something like that, this would have been the spot. Uh, but one particular night that we were out there, we were doing just, you know, kind of basic investigation EVP session down in the, uh, the basement area of the church. And all of a sudden we noticed through one of the windows, this kind of shadowy thing slip inside and you know, we're continuing to do our little investigation. And then this shadow started circling us like around the walls up on the ceiling and you it was fast and you could kind of see a flurry of like arms and legs very long and spindly and at some point they hit the floor because this uh plastic bottle went flying hit the railing uh that led down this the stairs heard the you know bang of the metal um our electronic equipment was going crazy uh, just, you know, there's all kinds of static and things like that going on. Now this, again, this is out in the middle of nowhere. We keep our cell phones, uh, turned off when we're doing investigations, but yet on all of our recording equipment, there's all this crazy static while this is going on. And then, uh, you know, basically we had a psychic medium that was with us. She's like, you know, th- this is the crawler. This is what is here. Let's sing some hymns. Let's say some prayers. Let's lighten the atmosphere to get this thing out of here. And so we did that and, you know, this thing slipped back out the window from, from whence it came. So, uh, so we got to experience the crawler. We didn't see the little shadow minions, but that was definitely the crawler. Wow. That's exciting. That's interesting. Um, the tools that she used to be able to get it to go. I like that. Well, yeah, I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, you know, uh, intention and, you know, putting forth your energy. I always believe, you know, as a paranormal investigator, we use a, you know, a lot of different tools, you know, cameras, you know, audio recorders, uh, different meters and things like that. But I believe your best tool is, is your body. Right. Besides your own intuition, what's your favorite tool to work with on your investigations? <laughs> yeah. Besides that, besides body. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, two things, uh, you know, camera and digital audio recorder. Um, yeah, I, I like to, to document and, um, you know, it's very hard to get things on, uh, a camera. Um, you know, we take hours and hours worth of video and, you know, snap thousands of, of, uh, photos and very rarely do we get anything we, on occasion we do, which is great. Um, but I mean, there's a story to tell. And so, you know, whether that's, you know, our adventures, or, you know, we're relating the story of, you know, whoever had once been there, you know, the people who have been forgotten to time, these different, you know, ghosts and spirits that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly the camera and then, um, you know, the, the digital audio recorder for, you know, for capturing the EVPs and trying to communicate with these different entities. And hopefully, you know, we've gotten some sort of audio back. Cool. Are you doing any work on your uh, paranormal investigations where, when you do run into a spirit that's kind of stuck, are you doing anything to help it move on or encourage it to pass over? You know, 
you know, I, I get asked that a lot. And, you know, to me, it's at the, it's at the discretion of the spirit. And this is the story that, um, that I like to relate to with that. Um, when my grandfather passed away, uh, this was 10 years ago now. Uh, yeah, he, he used to visit many members of the family. He'd visit me, you know, my parents, um, you know, all kinds of people within the family, uh, aunts, uncles, what have you. And he did that for a number of years. And he'd visit my, my grandmother very, very often. A lot of people witnessed her interacting with him. And when she passed, apparently they went together because we didn't see hide nor hair of either one of them after she had passed. So he had been here on earth, still lingering around visiting people until, you know, she passed and they went off together. So wow. I would have been very upset if somebody would have come along and been like, you know, we're going to pass over your grandfather. Or if, you know, he was transient moving from one place to another and they encountered him and, you know, you know, passed him over, I would have been upset by that as would have, especially my grandmother. So I, I won't do that unless it's, uh, you know, called for by the spirit. If the spirit wants help to do that, okay, we'll work to do that. And we've done that before. Um, and then I'll do, uh, you know, of course, uh, the cleansings from, uh, from time to time. That's what we did. And that, uh, the Edmund case with the red eyed entity, you know, if that's something that, uh, that the, the family of the home wants or needs done, then uh, we'll go ahead and do that too. Awesome. What advice would you give somebody who is experiencing a haunting? Um, well, it kind of it depends on the, the particular haunting because there can be ones that are just you know, rather benign. They're there, they're in the house, you know, walking around. They're not really interactive or doing anything. Um, you know, and then, of course, there are ones that are a little bit more you know, nefarious in nature and that are very disruptive. Um, you know, some, some people, you know, live quite harmoniously with their spirits. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, a friend of mine some years ago that, uh, uh, he had a, they were a, the previous, uh, they were previous tenants of, of his home. And it was, a they were a gay couple that had stayed in the house and they were the, the one apparently was very, um, mischievous. <laughs> and so he'd get very playful. Uh, and so he, he worked out a working agreement with this couple that was still in the house. Like you guys can be here. You can hang out. Just you, <laughs> the one in particular need to stop being so mischievous and moving things around and all that. So he came to a working agreement with them. So, um, so, and, and so that can happen. Uh, but then there are others that again are very disruptive and, uh, you know, you may need, you know, some, some other interventions. So, um, you know, communicate with them. I, I am, there are some people out there that will say, you know, you know, don't communicate with the spirits that are, you know, within your home. That'll invite all these other things to happen. It's like, well, you're not going to settle your your issue that you may have with them if you don't actually open up that communication. Because it may just be a matter of saying, hey, you know, calm it down over here, and then it will be fine. <laughs> um, then on the other hand, you know, sure, that may open up something more. And if that happens, that's when you start bringing in other people to kind of help you. Okay, we need to we need to get these people to, you know, move out of here. Right. Cool. That's good advice. How, let's go back to um, your most current book, The Shadow People again. Is there anything that you would like people to know that we haven't discussed about The Shadow People? Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot within that book, uh, A Walk in the Shadows. And you know, I break it into several different 
parts. You know, the first part is all about like the different types of, of shadow entities, you know, basically by physical description. So, you know, you have the humanoid figures, the, uh, the hat people, the hooded figures, mists, wisps, the crawler that we talked about, all those different types. Uh, the second part is on sleep paralysis because people experience that quite often, of course, not all the time, uh, but quite often with, uh, with witnessing these, these shadow entities, especially you know, at night. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we, we break that down and get into you know, why that happens because sleep paralysis is a real biological phenomenon um, and you know, how it relates or even may not relate uh, to shadow entities. I also have a section in there on you know, the history of, uh, of shadow beings. So we get into like ancient Sumer, ancient Egypt, and, uh, you know, a lot of different cultures, basically, you know, cultures from, you know, all over the world for millennia have been you know, talking about this phenomenon. They, you know, call it something different. They might have some legend and lore surrounding it, but they're, they're all describing the same thing happening, which is fascinating. Uh, next part of the book gets into you know, interdimensional shadows, time travelers. Um, if we're in a simulated universe, what a shadow entity may be, uh, you know, all these different other types of, of esoteric topics. And then the last part of the book is on, you know, the darker stuff, are they all evil? And, you know, that, those sorts of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have, you know, the shadow dimension docu-series, which is kind of, uh, you know, the, the complement to all of this, where uh, we're going to locations like, you know, the Conjuring House, Mineral Springs uh, Hotel, and, uh, you know, researching this phenomenon, how it may relate to uh, portal and vortex activity, and, um, you know, kind of trying to get to uh, the heart of the matter. Yeah, that's really fun. How can people find the Shadow Dimension docuseries? Yeah, you can go to shadowdimension.com. You can watch the trailer out there. The extended preview has the links there to the platforms that it's uh, currently running on, which is uh, 2B TV, which is a uh, you know free platform. So you can you know, watch it out there for free. You can also find it on uh, Vimeo, Co- uh, Cosm, and Zuzu is a uh, Canadian streaming platform that's running on right now. Great. And I want to wind it back to um, sleep paralysis because a lot of people mm-hmm. experience this and people talk about it in a whole bunch of different circumstances. Can you unwrap that a little bit for our guests? I mean, for our- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause that's a, that's a big question that mm-hmm. I get is, is about sleep paralysis. Cause people will wake up in the middle of the night, they'll see the shadow person standing there and they'll have the sleep paralysis going on, get extremely frightened and, um, you know, a lot of people believe that the shadow entity is making them paralyzed. So here's the thing. Uh, sleep paralysis, like I said, is a real biological phenomenon. Um, it is something that your body will do at night to, uh, to prevent you from acting out your dreams. So something that really happens. I've experienced real sleep paralysis a couple of different times, uh, but a little bit differently than most people experience it. Most people experience it where, where they you know, wake up in, uh, where they wake up and their body's paralyzed. I had it the exact opposite where, uh, my body just shut down and my brain was still awake, uh, which was you know, really scary. Cause I was at work at the time and it, and I was, um, I w- it was during my air force days and I did, you do not want to get caught sleeping on the job in the military. Uh, it's not a good idea. So, um, what, what I ended up doing was, uh, just kind of you know, tried to wiggle a toe first and see if I could get that going. Cause basically, you know, what's going on is I can hear everything that's going on around me. My brain was totally awake, but 
my, my body had just shut down because I was so exhausted. And so, you know, I got a toe going and then another and then the foot and then kind of slowly worked up my body until I could finally wake up my brain. So it's definitely very scary. Uh, and that's happened to me a few times. So, um, but most people will experience it the other way at night. Uh, and here's, this is what I have an issue with when it comes to the medical community is what they'll say is that uh, when, when it comes to these shadow entities is that they are a hallucination of our dream when we're waking up and experiencing this sleep paralysis. Well, people see shadow entities in a variety of, in a variety of different settings. Uh, most of my experiences, I've only had one related to sleep. That was the very first one in which I you know, was eight years old, woke up and saw the thing. And I wasn't even paralyzed at the time. You know, my, my mouth opened up, even though nothing came out, you know, I was just terrified. Mm -hmm. uh, my arms crossed. I turned my head as I watched the thing run down the hall. So I didn't have the sleep paralysis. Um, and every other time I've seen a shadow person, I've been wide awake walking around. <laughs> and a lot of people are, they will you know, see these things, you know, just in their everyday lives, um, daytime, nighttime, doesn't matter. Um, so it's not just waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, but for those that do wake up in the middle of the night and, and see this thing standing in their room, in the corner, at the edge of the bed, uh, at the foot of the bed, um, we dream about a lot of different things. So when they say that, you know, this is a hallucination playing out from our dream, you know, it, these people are seeing, you know, a, a figure standing in the room, but we dream about all kinds of different stuff. Uh, we could be dreaming about, Cars or airplanes, trees, bushes, you know, trains, whatever. Um, but none of those appear in our, in our rooms. Uh, they, people always report seeing this, this figure standing there. Um, and so here's what I think is going on. So like I said, you know, sleep paralysis, a real biological phenomenon, I believe, in, which I totally believe. Um, and a shadow entity is a real paranormal phenomenon. And I think that just happened to be happening at the same time, but here's what's going on. And anybody who's had small children can relate to this where child wakes up in the middle of the night and they come up to your bed, wake you up because, you know, they had a bad dream, need a drink of water, have to go to the bathroom, whatever it is. Um, and a lot of times they'll, you know, tap you on the shoulder or shake you awake or whatever, but sometimes they don't. <laughs> And my youngest son, Cameron, was notorious for this, where suddenly I would just wake up and be like, oh, my God, Cameron, what are you doing? Because he would just be standing there at the edge of the bed, staring down at me. It's like, whoa, OK, it's kind of creepy. Um, but <laughs> but he would do that sometimes. And, um, you know, he would say, oh, I had a bad dream. You drink water, whatever. OK, we'll go ahead and take care of it. But what is it that woke me up? Because you know, he didn't touch me. It was just him standing there at the edge of the bed, staring at me. Mm -hmm. Well, it was his presence, you know, his personal energy. We all have a, per, a personal toroidal field of energy that surrounds us. It extends out several feet. So when his energy crossed into mine, I was able to feel that. And that's what woke me up. Well, I believe that's what's also happening with these shadow entities. They're in our bedrooms and their field of energy that because they have their their energy too mm -hmm. is crossing with ours and we're sensing them we're sensing their presence that's what's waking us up and we wake up we see the thing in our room when we see a dark person in our room like that we're usually first thing that comes to mind is intruder yeah um, 
you know, it's later on, we, we start deducing, well, it was a shadow person or whatever. We're first immediately thinking there is an intruder. Our adrenaline starts rushing. Oh my God, now I can't move because I have the sleep paralysis thing going on. And so it just snowballs from there. Interesting. That's a great way of, des- of describing it too. And a lot of people who can sense spirit and not see them, that's what they're picking up on as well. Exactly. That energetic yes. field entering their energetic field, which is fun. Always. Is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Any bit of advice um, or tidbit of information? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, there, you know, there, there's a lot, um, there, there's a lot within this field. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, trust your instincts on a lot of this, you know, if, if something doesn't feel right, if it feels off, um, you know, trust that, uh, don't be afraid to reach out for help. Uh, you know, I think, you know, there used to be a stigma, uh, a long time ago that, you know, if you, if you talked about these things, if you heard voices, if you saw things and you talked about that, then you were crazy. Um, that's not the case anymore. You know, we see this, you know, all over, you know, television these days. It's in, you know, all over social media. It's, you know, I, I think we've come a long way over the last 20, 25 years in, you know, opening up and helping people realize you're not alone in this. Other people are experiencing these things. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to reach out for help in this. Um, and I would also encourage people to visit, uh, you know, the, the connecteduniverseportal.com, which is my new learning platform where we, we dive into a, a lot of these different topics. Great. I was getting ready to ask you about that. Perfect. How else can they reach you? How else can people find you, Mike? Yeah. Uh, connecteduniverseportal.com, shadowdimension.com, and then my personal website, mikericksecker.com. You can also find me all over you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all those places. And uh, the YouTube channel as well, Haunted Road Media. Perfect. Great. Mike, this has been awesome. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Liz. Absolutely appreciate it. This has been great. I know our listeners are enjoying this. Awesome. And thank you everyone for listening. Again, this is Liz Peterson at Raise the Vibe with Liz. And you can find me at Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Raise the Vibe with Liz and my website, Liz's Healing Touch. Have a great day, everybody. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.